Hello, world. Can you hear me now? Got a little feedback here. Let me see what I can do about it. Hope everybody is well and doing fine on planet Earth. All you ground troops spin smartly on the planet. This is TJ Morris with ET Radio. Welcome aboard. All you ground troops spinning around smartly, as we've been saying since June 6, 2012. It's been a wonderful time to be on the planet, especially with all the shifting changes in technology and the way that we express ourselves, growing and learning about the Ascension Age. That's right, Ascension Age. <clears throat> Those of us that have dealt with knowing what that was and how we work together online and uh, have developed the Ascension community and the Ascension Age community and uh, what we've now called the ACO Club. So uh, we're doing alien contact organization as well. And uh, this has been a long time coming, recognizing that many of us have dealt with seeing things we call UFOs or unidentified flying objects, uh, UFOs, and now we call them unidentified aerial phenomena, <laughs> UAP. So. I'm going to do what I can here to uh, help people and help them make them feel better about seeing such things because alien civilizations exist and UFOs are real, even though they may be unidentified flying <coughs> objects. Now, we have those made of Earth origin uh, by our own uh, global affairs. Uh, we have very uh, many people that have different countries available on the planet, and they all have various uh, space agencies. And uh, we're not going to be talking about those. We're going to be talking about those that come and go that many of us have come to know as those that have came before and those that people feel that they have been uh, approached by our, our government many governments have kept under wraps all these years and now there's all these different worlds uh, world events I guess one might say that have uh, explored various conventions and groups and events such as Mutual UFO Network and some of the conferences like International UFO Conference and Contact in the Desert many of those have become well known for speakers coming and telling their stories and I'm not about any of that. <laughs> I'm about getting the truth out the way that I have experienced it through my own life on Earth. And uh, there's been many YouTubes out there discussing UFO talk and uh, recognizing uh, one guy named Bob Lazar who sort of changed the face of what we thought was reality prior to... Uh, his coming along, there were UFOs and uh, what we called uh, different things and the beginning Foo Fighters and Fate Magazine came along and uh, put a gentleman on the cover, uh, Kenneth Arnold uh, with his flying saucer. The Kenneth Arnold story became very well known in Washington and I've been over there and uh, many UFOs were said to be in that area of the world in Washington State, the northernmost corner of the United States of America on the continent that's together, 
not the islands of Hawaii or any of the other parts that are not on what we call uh, continental United States of America. And uh, from Kenneth Arnold, uh, we basically have had all kinds of sightings, but we dealt in the United States of America with the Roswell uh, UFO incident in 47. And many things happened during that time, during 47, including uh, the Council of Foreign Relations uh, making the CIA Central Intelligence Agency. And uh, I came along after the... Roswell Affairs in December. I was born on December 26th, day after Christmas in the year 1951. Now, by 57, Sputnik had come across, and I was already familiar with uh, these type of situations with uh, UFOs, and I guess I should say that I'm very familiar, and I felt very comfortable dealing with uh, beings, and I believe that's what's inspired me uh, in the second grade to go out to White Sands, New Mexico, and the White Sands and have a UFO experience that I happen to remember. <clears throat> now, personally, I have tried to do my best into making sense of my life of 66, soon to be 67 years. And I hope you have, too, and dealt with whatever you felt was uh, most comfortable to you being on the planet and how you deal with UFO talk. And uh, if you haven't been around people that have uh, talked about it, I hope that you do. The reason being, there are those of us that have dealt and gone on into the military, and I went into the military after Actually, the only one I remember wearing a uniform was back in 1985, I thought, for the first time. But I was told I was a rehire. It was the lady that trained me in Orlando said, man, what did they do to you? <laughs> because she said I'd been through before and showed a picture I had drawn, and uh, that really shocked me. But uh, I knew that they had records of me and. San Diego and that I had done some type of work back uh, because I was hired in 67 when my paperwork was first sent through with NASA, National Aeronautic Space Administration. My husband, Stephen Lee Parrish, born June 21st, 49, has passed away now, worked there as a very young boy, and uh, he had five scholarships and was on the they back then they had draft cards and he had one and he was up and went down to MEPS in Houston and anyway he got Chris Craft signed a paper to keep him there and be over the astronaut uh there's a typing pool whenever the astronauts were talking the typing pool would type it all up. So so much for that. <clears throat> and uh he had a story to tell and I got to know that he and his father and many people at NASA believed in UFOs and had knowledge, and it, back then it was considered classified. Don't know that it is now, but I'm not on the inside anymore. I'm now retired as of uh, my birthday in 2017, and I feel like I should tell some of what I know, at least, based on the fact that we recognize <clears throat> 
that things have changed in the world for better, we hope. for. Uh, I believe that UFOs and extraterrestrials have been coming here, and our government knows about that. And uh, now, how I learned about it was firsthand. wasn't trained to go look after UFOs. I wasn't in any certain groups like Clifford Stone. That's a name you may know out of these uh, UFO files. But uh, I was trained by the Navy later on. Uh, I had gone over as a young woman in 75, I guess, Balboa Hospital. There's probably records. There's a hospital corpsman over there and the little Marine base. And <clears throat> Naval Hospital Corps School is what I became known for, but that wasn't my first MO or my first school. Uh, I was trained as a civilian from 1967 forward, May 1967, when I was in a newspaper and uh, was one of the women that was going to Washington to work. And I had apparently a relative, uh, at least a gentleman that talked to me, Senator Strom Thurmond, about working and starting as a page and working my way up in Washington, D.C., and I didn't want to move there. And I went on and had children and talked to him, and he helped my brother when my brother was in the Marines over in South Carolina, Nathaniel Burton Thurmond III, but he's now passed. And he talked to my Uncle Charles Thurmond, who's now passed, and my dad's passed, Nathaniel Burton. He went through military, uh, Army training, and Coast Guard, but... <clears throat> my brother, my father, me, my uncle, and Osa Martin was in the Air Force, and then I had an uncle, Gilmore, that went off a aircraft carrier, uh, my aunt Gwen Gilmore back then was distraught, and I don't think she ever recovered because she had four little girls to take care of, but uh, it's been an interesting life inside outside the military and uh, I had had this life that um, had I guess one might say ulterior or ultra energy or strangeness high strangeness or just being extraordinary I'm not sure if any of those words apply but it sure seems like it uh, because I had uh, gone out to White Sands in the second grade, willed myself there, had my relatives take me. And uh, from there, I just felt connected to UFOs and the government and my uncles working there. And I thought, well, that's what I was supposed to do. It took me a while to get myself into that because I had four daughters. But I went back through again and was allowed to go through and I know that when I had been a legal investigator, I had trained myself, basically, and gotten a license in Birmingham, Alabama, before they had private investigator license with uh, James E. Posey, an engineer working, and they were doing insurance, state farm insurance cases with his wife. Um, and uh, from there, I started Assured Confidential Investigative Reports, ACIR in 78. Well, I was at the University of Alabama. So I wanted to train. I had been prior to that, tried out for Houston, and with four kids, they didn't want me, even though I was tall enough. I met all the 
criteria or met all the requirements to be a police officer. But from there, I went on and took some law enforcement and we got on with Pearland Police Department dispatching and going, and I made straight A's, psychology and law enforcement, and uh, Alvin and took some club tests. And so I knew I could do it. I was smart enough. But I went on to the University of Alabama, and that's where I, I decided to start my own company after being trained in some uh, fire, arson, fraud, and subrogation at the University of Alabama there in Tuscaloosa with James E. Posey. Got certified and all of that, and uh, got some FBI cases under my belt, uh, working with some agents, Officer Brown then, uh, Special Agent Brown, B-R-O-W-N, common name, I guess. But that was between 78 and 81. And uh, I didn't actually uh, get, I did some investigations, but I didn't get trained as far as I know in uniform till 1985. And that's when uh, I went to the United States Navy. And uh, I, was, I had gone out of country uh, for some rich attorneys out of Houston, Newton B. Schwartz at the time. Uh, I had been working for Percy Foreman off and on. They both worked in the same office building. And uh, they had high-profile cases. Percy was known for a movie. I believe they made Judd for the defense after him. He was very good friend of mine, and he really did train me from the time I broke my tooth at the Warwick Hilton, just strangely enough, as a dancer with the spinnerets in 67. So sheiks, all sheiks were coming over and being entertained by none other than the bushes, I guess one might say, <laughs> the ones we talk about in the big oil biz. And uh, Dr. John Hill had gone over there just to meet me, and uh, it was quite a good time of a lot of big names, and a lot of money was floating around, and uh, uh, things were changing, and I paid attention, but uh, I still had to raise a family, so it took until I went to Alabama, and uh, can't exactly explain why I was chasing UFOs, except then when I had moved up to Rochester, I was working for Coochie Welch, Colicchio Welch, to get some training in stock and uh, uh, doing PI work there for uh, Chester Welch, uh, Colicchio, Coochie Welch, Colicchio, and Welch. I guess there were two Welches and a Colicchio. <laughs> but uh, I got some training there, and that's when I saw a UFO come out over the Great Lakes and uh, – where we were staying at Pine View Heights Apartments. It had a little, it had a little boat on the water. But uh, there was a white light out uh, right before it was getting dark, and it was just sitting high in the sky. And uh, two red basketball lights came out. I don't know what – I'm sure they were bigger than that in the sky because we could see them so big, but red or amber-looking balls that came straight up. One on the left shot straight up, straight up out of this white light, and then went to the left while you're looking at it, the sky, and then one came out on the uh, next to where that one came out and went straight up, set, and then move over to the right. So they were intelligently uh, designed because of the way they moved, in my mind. They shot up. At first, I thought it was going to be like, you know, seeing firecrackers or something. They were really big red ember light. And then, like I said, I believe they were controlled 
by intelligence, and then they took off one one direction and one the other. So uh, that was interesting, and that got me wondering even more. And I went in and called 911 to see if anybody else had reported it. But that really got me started uh, highly, strongly of wanting to know more. But I went back to Houston and worked for Newton Schwartz, Benton Musselwhite, John O'Quinn on some high-profile PCB cases on TVA and polychlorinated biphenyls, and then uh, Agent Orange working with citizen soldiers and a lot of people, and then some high-profile uh, maritime law. Uh, I remember the investigation on some of the uh, offshore oil rigs that were filed, created from the old Howard Hughes bridges. They had made them, and they had rusted out, and a guy hooked to it, and it came loose because of the structure that he had hooked to, and uh, all kind of cases like that. It was a lot of fun, and uh, I was good at finding out information. I knew that and getting to the bottom of the story, and I was told that nobody ever influenced me. Uh, I have to say that. Attorneys were good about just sending me to do my job, just saying, get the facts. That's all we care about. So Newton Schwartz was good about that, uh, never influenced me one way or the other. He just said, get the facts. And, uh, of course, he paid for everything. I think that's what made him well-known was he always seemed to have the money to back up a lot of these huge big cases, but it, they were worth millions back then. So I guess that's where he got his money. But uh, <clears throat> he came up to get me one time when I was finished doing uh, a school in Great Lakes to come get me. My parents did, but that was really sweet of him to come and want to pick me up. And I'll never forget that because I was, I didn't know who was going to pick me up or if I could get my, but my parents all wound up at Houston International Airport. And that was when I came after I'd gone to boot camp in Orlando and then Chicago. And then I called him once when I was over in Tokyo and he told me about, don't you know there's a war going on or a rock war or whatever. I didn't know about any of that, but at that time, because I'd been training and all of that, and then gone over to Japan to train some more with weapons, believe it or not, even though it was a hospital corpsman, which made me arouse suspicion. But anyway, um, I had gone to Lowry Air Force Base before I went. After I left Orlando, I went over, I guess, while my clearance, I was told to uh, work there while my clearance took a couple of weeks, get secret clearance. But they told me I was being cleared waiting on my clearance, and that's when a gentleman from Germany, or at least he spoke German, he had come out and visited me at the Larry Air Force Base, and uh, I'm trying to put this whole story together because it's different than everybody else's, and I've asked quite a few people that have been in military and in intelligence, so they've never heard how this works together. My story is relatively unique. But uh, they told me I'd have higher clearance than the president of the United States, which I didn't even know there, any of them existed. Or, or I didn't understand the clearance levels, but I was trained to know clearance levels when I went through training on uh, <clears throat> handling uh, personnel information security in the U.S. Naval Intelligence World or in the U.S. Navy. And I went out to train some with uh, – I went into NIS uh, office, but – when I was at, uh, I turned that job down, by the way. Uh, I just felt like it. I was too trained already for that kind of work that they wanted me to do because I'd been receiving, uh, after I went through A school, as hospital course school, I went back to work there at the uh, headquarters for the commanding officer. 
And uh, at the hospital, I had a C-section because I was bleeding a lot. Uh, not a C-section. That's when I had my fourth daughter. Uh, placenta previa. Now, that was when I had my fourth daughter. What do they call that? Uh, a partial hysterectomy, I guess one might say, where my uterus is stuck out because I was bleeding all over my whites. I don't know why that's important, but it's part of my story. Uh, just to prove I was there, I guess, to those that don't believe that they can find a paper trail. There's maybe a trail for my name, Teresa J. Thurmond, T-H-U-R-M-O-N-D, but getting the paperwork, good luck. Because when I went through, I was taken down and, uh, first of all, the goat locker forever left Houston from, uh, and MEPS uh, and was told about how secretive everything would be. And then again, when I went through core school, they took me down to the locker I don't know what it is about going to the basement. <laughs> so there must be something to do. So, But back in that time, they took me in for the people, there's five of us. And we were told we would never get a normal uh, DD-214. There's five of us that were chosen to do other kind of work. And I guess intelligence work is all I can figure out. But I was off gung-ho. I was 33 by this time. And... Uh, it's amazing because I learned a lot about paperwork, and we, at that time, we used to carry around a brown-looking uh, folder with all our paperwork in it from one uh, command to another. We'd literally carry our pa- paper hardcore with us, our our file, uh, and a, bl- a black, a bigger black, excuse me, brown Manila envelope which I thought was rather strange even when I went out to Hawaii. But then I got trained in uh, personal information security and learning about confident. First, there was interagency, national agency check, and then you'd get a confidential if you needed it, confidential clearance. And then you'd go get approved uh, for secret. And in, in some cases, if you're on certain commands or need-to-know basis, you get top secret. And then a lot of people have asked me about Q clearance, which a lot has to do with Department of Energy. And you can look it up. It's on Google if you want to Google all the various levels of intelligence that you're approved for. But the reason it applies to the UFO talk is uh, apparently there's various groups in the intelligence agency. I understand there's at least 17 now in the intelligence agency, counter for the CFR and then the intelligence agencies. And we had the... uh, well, the global, what they call the military industrial complex, Pentagon, and the Joint Chiefs of Staff, and that was Army, Navy, Air Force, Marine, Coast Guard, the major five. And uh, we're going to be adding, uh, we had NASA, NASA, you know, we've already discussed NASA, but there's so much to know about the intelligence world. Now, how much of the, this has to do with UFO talk? Well, any and all or nothing, because all of them seem to have their own desire. You may want to read a book by Philip, Colonel Philip Corso, C-O-R-S-O-E. Uh, I believe his book is on target. I believe that uh, Philip Corso was telling the truth. And you may see Senator Strom Thurmond's name in there. And from what I understand, Senator Thurmond, I believe, was uh, on the inside and knew a lot and heard a lot and was trying to put the story together the same as I was and Colonel Corso because he was given a file cabinet in charge to uh, find out what to do with certain pieces 
of a UFO that came off of some equipment from back in 47, we were told, in Roswell. And <clears throat> that had to do with reverse engineering, and some people believe that some things would have been uh, discovered sooner or later. But there's not a real deep paper trail historically until uh, we give certain companies, uh, they were contractors, pieces of equipment that came out of that fall cabinet that uh, Colonel Corso writes about. Uh, the Day After Roswell is the name of the book. And uh, from there, then these various companies and the military, they're contractors. I was a contractor too. I was a GS. I was a, in uniform, actually considered employed by the Department of, it's called DOD, Department of Defense, and then DON, Department of Navy at the time. And then later on in 87, I believe my contract was bought by uh, the intelligence agency um, because of the letters I saw and received in the mail and because I had put in for it and uh, met the criteria for matching my husband of 20 years, which I'd like to get into about how he and I became known in the UFO business for Ronald Reagan because after I got in and did all that I've talked about and uh, was met at Lowry Air Force Base by this German man, later on I was very interested in trying to make sure there wasn't classified information put out and I was told not to talk to about anything or any any of that to anyone but now that I go back and look at when I was told that that wasn't for like 10 years later after 87 it wasn't till uh, just about I met Tom that I'd like to talk about Thomas R. Morris who has also passed uh, during the time later and Bob Lazar's name came up during my time with him. And uh, so I'd, I'd like to mention that December 88 through April 89 is a very interesting time, but so is uh, 2000, let's see, 1980, December 1980. And uh, the Rendlesham Forest happened on my birthday, December 26th. And my whole history, I'm trying to put together how I've died, had near-death experiences, out-of-body experiences, and had various beings come into my life as either angels or extraterrestrials to put me back together again and send me back out again to do a job, whatever that, our mission, our project, or over and over. And I don't agree with all the um, MKUltra and all the wild stories that are out there that people are telling, whether the truth or not, I could care less. If uh, they're telling them, it must concerned about what's really going on and uh, forming an ACO club and how we can get to the truth about gravity, space, and time and how it affects our real, our reality. And my relationship, uh, I had met President Ronald Reagan in Houston, Texas. Now, I was born in Monroe, Louisiana, and went to school all the way up to West Monroe High School, and my parents divorced, and my mother moved to Houston and married her ex-boss from Olin Matheson Corporation, Charlie Thomas, Charles e. Thomas, who worked for Rice Food Markets there for Al Alfred Lander and Joel Levy there, uh, and 
they had uh, Mr. Levy, Mr. Rice. There literally was a Rice. That's why it was named Rice Food Markets and Rice Epicurean later. But uh, my sister, Wendy, worked there for Rice Food Markets. My daughter, Angela, Don Parrish worked for Rice Food Markets. And so it got to be a family thing there. And then uh, Gary uh, Finley married, he worked for Rice Food Markets, married Wendy, my sister, and they lived happily ever after and had a big home golf course near my parents' home and pecan plantation, so they had a good life. And then uh, Gary's, uh, they need a chef because the bushes shopped, interestingly enough, at the Rice Epicurean store. And so that was awful close to home because I'd met President Bush too. So it's very curious. I didn't meet, um, uh, let's see, I was born 51, so I didn't meet Truman. I didn't meet Eisenhower. And when Kennedy was shot, I knew that he was assassinated, but uh, I think I was in the seventh grade at the time. I know I was in the seventh grade because I know I was in Mrs. Davis's room with Johnny Nichols, who started clapping and shit and shouldn't have, and uh, had the whole room, and we didn't even know what we were clapping about because I didn't hear what was said. Uh, but we were all chastised for that, and uh, I don't know why he did that. But I know that I was in this Mrs. Davis's West Monroe Junior High, West Monroe, Louisiana, when President Kennedy was shot. And I know that my parents had talked about going to Dallas, believe it or not, to see the president. Because we had gone to Six Flags to Dallas, and some people, I think, had taken off. I and mean, maybe one or two people out in school that day because went to Dallas to see the president. But uh, I didn't. But I had a sneaky interesting premonition because when I was younger I died and uh, was second grade hepatitis and seen angels or aliens and I had been taken on board a ship as a young child four or five and then seen Sputnik at seven so I had some kind of uncanny out of this world energy or experience that has always been a part of me if you want to say in my DNA or in my thoughts, but my brother Hugh, Charles Houston Thurman, believed in UFOs, and I thought he was a little on the crazy side growing up because that's what we were told to think about anybody or anything dealing with a flying saucer or a UFO. So I find that very interesting that as later in life I was involved with finding or looking or wondering, although I was not consciously consciously aware that I was going to be on this path as a young girl or why I was interested in the government or why I trained as a private investigator or why even when I went through the military and the Navy training and then went out to Lowry Air Force Base, I was still not even aware of my UFO path. And it wasn't until... I came out of there and was trained to watch things in the air and uh, I guess look at what we would call satellites now or computer screens now. But I have a distinct memory of being trained that way and some black op things we did. I was in very good shape and I had skills and one of them was a psychic ability, I believe a precog or as an intuitive. And I strongly suggest that people like me are followed and uh, known and 
that if we've ever used them or could use them or we're interested in metaphysics and parapsychology, that our precognition or having any type of intuition abilities or if it runs in our family and even in the military, if that can be considered an attribute or we can be considered assets. And I strongly suggest that that's part of the UFO talk that I'm going to be doing here is continuing something in our ACO club. That's going to be for people like me that have worked in the military or been around UFOs. Uh, that can prove to me with uh, knowledge that they were instructed to be a part of this, uh, what some people call disclosure, geopolitics, exopolitics, and that there are people that are part of uh, not politics and not religion, uh, but they're historians and researchers such as myself. I consider myself now a journalist or writer because I'm on my own spiritual path, but I'm also on a path to find out what's really going on. And I believe that uh, some of the time when I was investigating from a third-party contractor point, I was actually working uh, out of uniform and being trained in civilian clothes when I was working in the JAG office uh, Judge Advocate General uh, got the r- reports we did when I would get FBI uh, and Naval Investigative Service would bring FBI reports and NIS reports and we would combine them all together and then have the uh, officers that were assigned to do certain uh, investigations inside our uh, naval bases and we would put together the reports and that's how I learned to conduct legal investigations inside for the Naval Military Service. And I read the OPNAV and SECNAV and all these manuals we had. And then I got to work in classified when I went to Hawaii and worked literally a desk right outside of vault. <laughs> a vault would walk in. We had a vault in Hawaii too and working in clearances. So my training is very curious as to how all this stuff goes together. But I find it interesting that uh, my husband and I crossed paths, and I want to track this uh, meeting Thomas R. Morris and his story and how we happened to meet and the journey I went on. And you can look at the book called Roswell Encounters. You can get a copy. It's very inexpensive ebook off of lulu.com or amazon.com. Roswell Connection, Roswell Encounters, various books out there. Uh, one that Thomas and I wrote together. And uh, part of the truth is in there, and part of it is just, it's the truth, but the names are changed, so to speak, to protect the innocent, I guess you'd say. <laughs> How are the guilty? <laughs> but anyway, there's some truth in that story. And I want to bring it forward uh, And I believe it's time to put this story together and see how my uh, Men in Black story worked together, how uh, it works together with Tom and I meeting and people that could speak with ESP in front of me and with me and uh, seeing the little greys and uh, then Bob Lazar's story on working on a what he called a sports model UFO he put together and then 
read uh, Art Bell, uh, who I'd talked with, and uh, Stanton Friedman, who I'd talked with, and met J. Allen Hynek. But I was like, what am I part of? Because nobody, I wasn't reporting into anywhere. And I was told, while well, I work for attorneys, to never talk about certain things or I'd be fired, any government cases. But I always felt like some high-minded people were involved and that certain people pulled the strings with the money that came and went. And then to be inside the government was different. And uh, having experienced UFOs, they seemed to take that serious. And the fact that uh, I had many experiences and was on my own journey, they seemed to be interested, whoever they were. I don't believe it was any one branch of the intelligence community, although uh, the only men that uh, I was shown during a polygraph and the Central Intelligence Agency, I went to Tyson's Corners, stayed in a hotel, uh, was flown in uh, from Great Lakes in Chicago when I'd put in with the Office of Personnel Management, the OPM. I'm sure anybody that's ever worked for the government is familiar if not, you can look up Office of Personnel Management, OPM. And that's who, when I went to the, uh, I think it was Delta, it may have been American Airlines. I don't even remember one of those airlines. But you didn't say you're going to for a CIA uh, background check or uh, employment or going to job. You just said you were going, checking in with the OPM. And then a lady from the front desk would uh, tell somebody, and then another girl would come out and handle the paperwork for me to fly. I guess she they were fairly common with people coming and going in the airlines. So that's how that works from uh, uh, Chicago O'Hare into Washington, D.C. And uh, when I flew in there, and there uh, in 87, it was May 6th, I believe, the May 10th, Something like that, 1987, and I kept all the paperwork for years and years. Kept a, a paper trail for myself. Not that it means anything now, because it doesn't. Uh, it's just a story. But uh, that story wound up having me learn more about UFOs, and Ruth Montgomery uh, tracked me, and I wrote to her. And uh, it was during a time... When I had my kids staying with me at Great Lakes, and then they'd go back and stay with their father, who also worked for the government, so he kept his government contracting as a third party. I know he was working in the same area I was, and we both had something to do. The cover story, anyway, was working on uh, fire, arson-type stuff, our equipment, our uh, engineering equipment. Uh, I wound up working uh, with the CBs, in uniform uh, and a reservist status. But uh, one thing I need to point out to people that do track this research history is in the side of the government, we do TDY, temporary duty status. And something Thomas R. Morris and I both did, we agreed, is most of the stuff that's done off of the books and off of the payroll and out of your pay grade because pay grades don't really mean a lot to people in intelligence or in the Army it was S2 division. And I don't even know what division the Navy had because I always worked directly for the commanding officer and the XO. And I worked in the uh, personnel information security or it was always 
seemed like the people were always under investigation everywhere I was assigned, and I was the highest level, which didn't make sense to me. Uh, even when a gentleman came in and got a clearance to come over and be in charge of all the clearances, in charge of all the uh, level of uh, clearance levels for uh, sync pack fleet when he flew in, and I had to make sure I meet with him and uh, the gentleman that when I had my clearance said he never seen anybody get their clearance so quick in Hawaii as I did, and he asked me who who are you? I remember people asking who are you when I was in the Navy <laughs> working as a civilian, but I'd already gone through my reserve training, but I never did really know who I was at that time because. All the jobs I was put on were just simple, basic, felt like cover jobs. But in engineering, uh, I was assigned like something they said they were trying out was a secretarial pool. Uh, I don't know if that was true or not, but they were training us in engineering, and I worked with archaeologists, a lot of engineers, while I was training for that. But I was working with people talking about Central Intelligence Agency and classified. I think it was maybe the HARP system. I don't even know now, but... uh, uh, it was fun learning about different things they did in uh, clearance levels and things that happened, but I knew that wasn't my real mission or what I was there for. And then people started talking about the hangers and Hangar 18 <laughs> and learning about uh, things that people didn't really talk about. So uh, it was a long time, my my life working with understanding there's jobs that are in uniform, there's jobs out of uniform, there's jobs uh, GS, civil service, wage grade, there's third-party contractors, the military-industrial complex, and those that want contracts because so much money is involved in all of this. And then the UFO talk was secret always. That was hush hush you very seldom heard anything about it in uniform or out because you weren't ever 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 supposed to talk about anything like that so uh there's some stories going on out there that i'm interested in bob lazar was one of them because i thought when he decided to go forward and hit the news and the television i was driving a truck i believe at the time I I feel like I was, and that's I'd already met Thomas R. Morris, another investigator such as myself, and he had been over working in Germany, the European theater, out of country. I just flew in and out of Africa and Europe, uh, UK area, and uh, Portugal and Spain, and uh, just wherever I was told to go at the time. Even my kids and people that. Uh, that nobody really knew what I did. And the TDY part of this is that's the reason you get temporary duty status. And those uh, orders, you have orders pretty much, at least if you're attached to the military of some type, to get you from one base to another because there's a red tape for most people, at least if you're using your Social Security number and status inside the government. But what people don't know or don't understand is the Office of Personnel Management pretty much runs all that and your files, and then there's people in security levels that give you security clearances, and you have to have a need-to-know basis, so there's that level of intelligence. And then after uh, you get into knowing you're doing investigations, 
there's a need to know basis only. You get assigned certain places, certain words, and certain code words or certain projects that have certain names. And you may work alone or you may work with several people in a in a group. And uh, I did both, but not everybody knows what's going on in each person. It's called compartmentalization. They keep everything compartmentalized and you don't always know what you're going to be assigned to. Now, how does all this play into how, what we speak of these days, geospatial, pace spacing, geogravity, space-time, CE5, counterintelligence, uh, knowing what's what, our close encounter of the fifth kind with J. Allen Hynek, is there's a history and a true thread of intelligence and a real true history from uh, at least 1947 forward that we all like to tell. And I guess Richard Dolan was one who started a thread as a history major, I believe. And he became a relatively well-known after Stanton T. Friedman. Stanton Friedman, uh, well, you start off, and he told me this personally, in little groups of women's houses, having them come and, and teach or tell things he knew. And then he got asked to go to some universities, and he just got on a talking circuit about UFOs, Stanton Friedman, and then I talked to him, but only after I was on a mission, after meeting Thomas R. Morris. Uh, this was a gentleman that went through the Department of Navy, had several schools. He's a sharpshooter. He had like 23 schools. And when he was in there, Ron Contre took the pins out of the, the weapons that were going over to trade for Carter, President Carter and Ronald Reagan, but that swap time. And uh, so Ronald Reagan was coming into office in 80, wanted to meet him, find out who he was since he was the new kid on the block. And he uh, he liked him. They got along. And so they became friends instantly. And that's when Ronald Reagan had signed him. Now, remember, I had met Ronald Reagan prior in Houston, Maybe I didn't say, but uh, Ronald Reagan and Bush I'd both met, but the older Bush, not the younger Bush, the older Bush out at uh, uh, arranged, arranged. I was dating one of the Secret Service agents for a while, but this was prearranged. But with Ronald Reagan, it's, I guess it was prearranged too. Uh, there was a lot of men in black or Secret Service, and they always had a little thing in their ear. But uh, I met Ronald Reagan, I guess you'd say at the Astro Hall, out where the Astrodome was. They had a big meeting organization there, and he was taken out in the hall for me to meet. So I'd already met him at one level. Now, I think it has a lot to do with the fact that I was very intuitive, and I knew it, and I think the extraterrestrials knew it, and that somehow the, the group that I'm interested in uh, doing what I can to make all of this fit together is... Uh, to bring in a whole different level that's being uh, exposed or disinformation, misinformation, information, fake news are those that are getting out there. There's a uh, start Ace Folk Life years ago in 2003 with Thomas R. Morris, my husband. But there's a whole group of people that have all said they've had all kind of experiences with other races of beings, and that's fine. But the ones the government were involved with, with I believe those that have been coming forever, and they've known they've always come, and they keep uh, a close eye on anything that comes and goes. 
And uh, a lot of what we deal with is true. And I believe we do need a UFO secret space group or at least a space group uh, above and beyond the one that we already have. <laughs> and we have uh, Air Force and we had the CIA and we have NASA and we have all the Security Council, Council of Foreign Relations, World Banks. We have the U.S. Treasury, IRS, all the things that we have. I'm sure they're doing their part to make the world a better place in whatever reason. But uh, we have reasons. We have chaos. We have balance. We have order in chaos. And uh, I've always been one to follow the Constitution of the United States because that's they was trained from the time I was in elementary school forward. So I'm a constitutionalist, I guess one might say. I believe in the United States of America and that that was probably the best thing that was ever done on the planet. But all this stuff that goes on off planet, I believe there's a lot. I believe we've got a lot undercover. I believe there's men in black, whether they're working with Department of Energy, but it all has to do with nuclear, space, fission, and uh Bob Lazar worked at S4. He worked at, when you go to Area 51, it goes south to Area, it's called S4. But uh, I believe he worked and was paid by the same people, Naval Intelligence. And that he had other things going on, which he gladly tells about Art Bell, or to Art Bell, with a, another gentleman, I believe it was Huff. And... Uh, and a UFO YouTube that you can listen to. And uh, I'm surprised Tommy Hawksblood didn't show up because he had wanted to, but I sent him a copy of this. But uh, being very vague about all the stuff I did, I have a story to tell, and I believe it's far more important than many of these stories of people seeing visions in their mind first and then coming up with all kind of stories afterwards about various groups of beings, but uh, that's got into our folklore now. Now a lot of people believe it's real, and it may be real. I'm not saying it is or isn't. I'm not trying to debunk anything, but uh, what I am trying to do is get straight what I believe has uh, come to be uh, pulled together for what various reasons and how it's changed our emotional stability and at one time with my parents growing up, uh, they were very programmed not to believe in UFOs. For whatever reason, I don't know other than the uh, media was controlled and that fear after the War of the Worlds. And that uh, uh, was at a time in the 40s and after World War II, Korean War. And I believe that people were taught that uh, these things weren't true and it was put out there, especially after 47. And mother was born in 32, so 42, 47. After uh, she went through, uh, they went through depression. But there's a reason that everybody thought, and they just kept it like anything to do with UFOs. And later on, I learned that's how the government kept a lot of things undercover too. And they wanted people when they were brought up on something of military grade level of our national security, they would use a cover story of UFOs so people wouldn't believe them to discredit people that had actually seen something involved in national security. And I verified that with a man named Richard Doty, D-O-T-Y, who worked uh, for the Air Force and other government level, uh, had a deep clearance at one time or another, that's per him. 
not me, but what he told me. So to me, it's firsthand information. But he was relatively well trained, and I believe he he was in a, a little television series you can find on YouTube. Uh, Richard Doty with Richard Dolan, I believe, and Linda Moulton Howell. These are names of people that do historical research in the UFO industry, our community. And I've been there. I've just been the one that was told you can't talk about it or you'll get fired. And I was interested in keeping my job or making sure that uh, I had a livelihood at the time. But now that I'm retired, there's people or algorithms, if you will, leading me into a future that uh, is allowing me to have this TJ Marcy T radio and to help other people with uh, where they are in life and what they're going to do uh, as trained investigators or researchers or journalists. And we need to get the story straight because there's various threads that have happened. And we should have been, I thought, personally, and working with other people in this business that uh, is not disclosed, that <laughs> we know each other in other ways, that uh, we were all going to get together after Bob Lazar and everything was going to be different. It was going to be more open. And after uh, I was in a conversation uh, with men of intelligence and I guess in the undercover men in black intelligence world at one time uh, where we approved in 1989, 1990, right with Bob Lazar, to come forward with uh, Dr. Stephen Greer to be a spokesperson. So for whoever's out there listening in the business, there's a story that needs to start with Stan Friedman, Kenneth Arnold. We'll start with Kenneth Arnold telling the story. It's Stan Friedman, George Filer, who was Air Force uh, pilot that saw UFOs and the astronauts and uh, talked to several astronauts while I was in Houston and uh, there's a whole story to tell here, and my opinion is there's everyone has their own world, their own history, their own reality, and how they tell their own story and how it goes forward. And I've had several people over the years listen to these radio shows I've done here with Thomas R. Morris, Janet Carolesson, uh, and Thomas Anthony Sinisi which is Tommy Hawk's Blood, uh, Tony R. Elliott, Bill M. Tracer, uh, and a sum that just came and went. And I deleted the Stanton Friedman, and I could shoot myself for doing that, but I was mad at Tommy. Some of the ones that we did in the beginning were just ridiculous, so I deleted a lot of them. And Stanton was on the very first of these shows, Stanton T. Friedman. So I may have to get him back on here, but he's retired now. But... Uh, <laughs> he came on one of my very first shows with me and Janet, careless and one or two of them. And then Richard Dolan came on. But uh, we appreciate everybody that helped form TJMRCT Radio and getting it going. And the UFO business was going to be what uh, we were going to talk about the most. And it's taken a really strange, strange uh, level of existence. And a lot of my friends I'm meeting now in Pensacola, in Gulf Breeze, Florida, where I moved here, uh, Gulf Breeze. It's amazing how some of these people believe these stories. 
Now, maybe they're true, but they really want to believe they are uh, about uh, people that have been out there making a lot of money with Gaia TV, David Wilcock, Corey Good, uh, is it Emory Smith? Forgotten the names of the people. But uh, Larry Warren with, uh, I don't think he's made a penny, but he may have written a book recently, Nick Pope. Uh, Jim Penniston, the, the, the uh, Rendersome Forest on my birthday, December 26th. There's something I haven't told people about that. And I have a strange UFO energy with uh, beings that I don't know how I fit in yet. I'm still trying to figure it out. But I have this precognition and this inspiration or innovation or unity consciousness going on that I called the Ascension Age because of a story, whether it was controlled or not, I don't know. But uh, I want to think that uh, everything that I've gone through, I've had consciousness about and uh, know that half hated out of curiosity. I don't believe I've broken any laws. I don't feel like I have. I was always uh, following the law. I didn't smoke. I didn't drink. I didn't drug to this day. Uh, it's just not in my DNA, my profile, my desires. And uh, I'm not saying I can't sit and hold a drink if I have to. I have had to do that before. <laughs> Social, especially with agents after they got off from working with George Bush in Houston. <laughs> oh, me and Moe Hamburger, he made Roto-Rooter. Uh, we used to go out and be put up in the paper, social lights. Uh, that was fun back in the day. But uh, anyway, there is a UFO story here. I need to tell it. And uh, I'm not getting any younger, that's for sure. Now that my husband's gone, he said I could tell it. And uh, so I may just cut this down to one hour since I'm on the radio. And... Uh, People keep calling me, interestingly enough. Uh, there's something going on that with the Bob Lazar gravity, space, and time that he tells the truth about black holes and uh, how time – and this is something I'm curious about uh, because I have some knowledge about a UFO that my husband and I, whether it's real or not, is up to the people listening. The opinion of mine is that uh, – my husband and I worked on a spacecraft, and uh, there's some interesting information about that. But I'm going to wait till another time to say that I'm going to cut this off in an hour. But uh, see how this goes, because this is going on iTunes, Stitcher, FM Radio, Spreaker. And the main thing I'm curious about is see how this title goes out on uh, YouTube. And... Uh, see who may be interested in how we're going to thread this story into what I really believe is reality. And that is the levels of how many different uh, levels we have in UFOs. And uh, Bob Lazar had just one. He said there was at least nine there when he was at his four. And uh, outside Las Vegas, I flew into Las Vegas a lot. Uh, and I've had men visit me at midnight, especially. And uh, I have a story to tell, and I think it's interesting. But it'll be interesting most to those that really want to find the bot that get to the bottom of the truth about people coming and going, and why in the past 
has it been? Uh, we know there's various levels that exist in the clearance levels, but there's also a level of people uh, that know this is the truth, and this is something that's coming out. And uh, I want to find out more from the people that are really into finding out the truth and see how they're perceiving it to be. And, uh, yeah, there's people all the way up to the Rothschilds and the banks and the World Banks and all of that. Yes, that's going on. And, yes, we need to have more interest in all the countries and the wars and the suffering that's uh, been done with fear and uh, the fake war with 9-11 and why that happened to get control and homeland security and all of that. And there's white hats and black hats and people that are on the fence and the brown hats and the balance and the, we all know that we can all do better and everybody has a voice. And here, at least in the United States, we all have a vote and we're getting ready to change all that. But uh, a lot of things are staying the same and some things just take time. And uh, that's one thing that I believe Bob Lazar and I had in common was watching the change. And uh, my husband, at one time, we thought it was coming when he and I were going to go 87, 97, 2007, even 2017. But he died uh, in 2015, December 2nd. It's And it's still to this day like yesterday to me because I was there when he passed. But I have questions about life and death, reincarnation, near-death experiences, out-of-body experiences, phenomenology, cosmology, especially cosmology. I wrote a book, Knowing Cosmology, if you're interested, by Teresa J. Morris. Yes, I was born Teresa Jeanette Thurmond, T-H-U-R-M-O-N-D, and I used to write stories for Dirk Vanderplug on UFO Digest by T.J. Thurman Morris or T.J.T.M. or occasionally Teresa J. Morris. But uh, I'm changing who I am, what I am, and how I am and how all this is going to change all of us. And uh, the fact that reality is setting in, that the ascension age is real and the consciousness of... Uh, the ascension age and what that means to send as well as how gravity space and time and those that have had firsthand experience there's a reason and uh, it's like they're us and there's beings that come and go and uh, the reality is not everything that we apparently think it is but I don't want to upset it too much nor does anyone else that has been working with beings uh, on and off planet, or at least with their stories that feel like they're working on and off planet. But I'm at that age now where once I was taken off the beach here, and uh, it's like the old stories in the Bible that have been around thousands of years for a reason, and the Emerald Tablets written for a reason, and the Upanishads and the Bhagavad Gita. And we've always talked about the same stories of people coming and going, and uh, it all fits together for a reason. And I hope there's some intelligent beings out there that will somehow get a copy of this and listen that there's a story and there's a vague backdrop and we can backtrack historically and put together all the knowledge and the technology that's supposed to be put together and track that which was uh, used in the past that's going to be threaded into the future 
And uh, I'm all about incentives and the Tom DeLonge story. <laughs> Going forward as a public corporation, maybe uh, Elon Musk. Okay, sir. Uh, oh, what is his name with... Uh, why do I always forget him? Uh, what does he have? Virgin Airlines. Okay, he, he his his name is involved, but uh, there's a lot of people putting together a whole new reality for a reason. And uh, I believe some engineers have wanted or known or remember me from the old days. Somehow on the good side, and some friends of mine that are doing radio, and I'll do my best to come forward with what I know that in the past. To me, it still seemed like fantasy, and uh, to a lot of people, it still will. But the name Bob Lazar keeps ringing true to me to be the fact that I thought with uh, the Unum Pentium, like uh, UU, uh, it's 115, element 115. I thought for sure, because I knew about before uh, it was labeled such. I think they only had 112 back then, but I thought... uh, Surely, people in engineering and science and space uh, were going to stand up and take notice to Bob Lazar. But then I do remember a lot of the ones that were highly educated and their minds formed with books from their prior predecessors on the planet. Even though they had a PhD in something, that many of them that I work with, physics, uh, I was sent in to get the facts and to be intelligent and put it together. For those that were uh, felt like they knew that their reality was changing, but they wanted somebody, and these were people with millions of dollars, okay, that looked forward to having someone with intelligence behind them telling them the best story based on all the facts, okay? That's what I felt like I was an honorable ambassador of goodwill for this great United States of America and for this uh, planet. I really do. I felt like I was called forth by these beings that put us here, by the celestial beings, the extraterrestrials, the celestials. And uh, I had died and came back, and I've been below my brain, seen my brain from the inside out. This is a true story. And there's stories I have lived through, put myself back together, learned to walk and talk again. But I felt like all of that was for a reason. It wasn't for naught. It was for a reason. So sooner or later, when you put this story together, you would believe that alien civilizations exist. There's extraterrestrials out there. There's other dimensions and realms. And it's time now that my husband's passed, I can tell his story. And even uh, some of the greatest minds that ever were on the planet still couldn't be open-minded enough because they'd been programmed to believe a certain way, sort of outside the box. And also, they didn't really understand outside the black hole. (laughs) You stay clear of black hole and you travel in wormholes. This was the common sense that I grew up with as a child. No, I didn't go to school and learn and uh, get a master's or a PhD in any of this. There was no such thing. You just had to live it and know it and be around the beings that trained you, extraterrestrials, and how they trained you. And the government was very interested. They're also interested in your dreams and Project Stargate. And, yes, there was a Project Pegasus, even though it wasn't with the one that Andrew Bashago talks about. Bless his heart. (laughs) And uh, I hope he's getting better now. (laughs) And uh, if he's not, that's okay, too. 
and all those that hang out with him. So God bless all those people and the way that it does open your mind into fantasy and spirituality and the fact that other levels do exist and uh, maybe even time travel. We know we can, uh, the gravity, space, and time is all connected. And uh, even Bob Lazar was talking about the nuclear, and I tried to explain to people, and so did my husband, that all this coming and going was nuclear-related, and everything is nuclear, and everything in space was used for what we would call similar to rocket fuel, okay? But uh, anyway, there's a whole story to tell of the various types of spacecraft that come and go, and many is not of Earth origin. And there are people that know certain parts, and we need to start finding them and putting them together. And uh, I believe that's part of what I'm going to do. But uh, there's people that have a voice, and they want to talk about the paranormal and those things they don't quite understand and the uh, strangeness of reality, and I'm going to help them do that too. And in between, I'll try to come back and share some of what I felt was reality when it comes to UFO talk and uh, what we should be talking about to help us because there's going to be people that are going to want to get off the planet. There's going to be people that are going to be stranded on the planet, and yet we have to take care and be aware of our eco-environment and that through thousands, if not millions and billions of years, that people have always come and gone and there are levels of reality, and the best thing you can do is understand how we have come through technology in such a short time, just in a 100 years, in our parents' age, from World War II forward, and I happen to have been told that these beings were watching and they didn't interfere, so there are some universal laws, and uh, I'll do what I can to explain what I know about the Allied Command and the Supreme Allied Command, and not the Federation or the one with Star Trek, or the one that uh, many people talk about that were in the books, and uh, the one that even uh, oh, Daryl Sims, the PI out of Houston, that does alien uh, implants, are pulling implants out how those stories got started and what they found, that they couldn't prove that they were something but were they really ever proven of anything? And uh, I believe in forensic science, and I believe in science and research and what we can prove and disprove, but we also know there's tangible and intangible and how we're going to separate the threads of truth from the threads that are now folklore out there with bluebirds and beings that have triangle heads or pyramid heads or people with a pyramidology and the healing of the pyramids and the story of Thoth and the Anunnaki. And people are believing all this, folks, whether it's hearsay, folklore, uh, left stories from fired clay tablets. Who are we to judge what is and isn't? But for each individual, they each have their own filters, their own perception, their own consciousness. And it's up to us out here that are really good journalists that want to research what we can and cite what it is and why we think what we do. And uh, for those of us that have had first-hand experience, explain what it is you think, why you think it, and did you just come up with it or did it, somebody teach it to you? Did you dream it? If you dreamed it, you know, we say thoughts come from somewhere. But we need to start making sense of all this because people are coming together 
reincarnation, uh, knowing that there's life after death and out-of-body experiences because some of us realize we fly at night and we go to other places that must exist somewhere because they're just as real as this world. And all those dimensions, dimensions, realms, and portals of fantasy. And uh, I'm going to do my part as a researcher and a writer, a journalist, to do my best. And hopefully God, whoever's out there, if you really believe in the force or the source or a being or all the world religions or don't believe in any of them, does it matter if we're going to talk to each other? Because to me, we're all the author of our own life story. And that's what my mother taught me before she passed. And to me, that's very uh, important that you realize every day you make your own choices about what you're going to be, how you're going to be, who you're going to be, and how you're going to believe or believe that which is taught to you for whatever reason or that with an open mind that you are listening to. And UFO talk, it does, it does nothing else that gets you to believe in something that is out there that is greater than yourself. And I do believe, just like I started this, that these UFOs are driven intelligently. So I don't necessarily go after the nuts and bolts people like in MUFON, Mutual UFO Network, the nuts and bolts, but I also don't go to the extreme where uh, my good friend Janet Carol Lesson for all these years on this show has gone over to listen to every possible experienced person giving a story of something uh, of beings, reptilians, which I've never seen a reptilian. I've seen a gray being, and I believe that they were humanoids, and they may be us from the future in the advance. We are you with Jim Penniston and Larry Warren's story out there and the Rendlesham story and the black uh, triangles because I've seen those. And so the things that I've experienced, I'll be more than happy to share. The things I have not experienced, nor do I want to, are any of these things called the reptilians. But now I believe there's a reptilian part of our brain that we've named that. But I also believe that we're getting a lot of stories all convinced that you tell a lie enough or a fantasy enough to the right people, and sooner or later they believe they're seeing or doing or being exactly that, which is actually a fantasy that got started maybe by the Central Intelligence Agency for cover-up for reasons with journalists. And we have people that tell stories and those that stories of people being killed around the world and Syria and other countries and they're being taken over the smaller countries to make the new world order that people never hear about in the news. They never hear about reality. And since I was allowed to travel out in and out of country, I saw that happen. So the world is in a very interesting place with those that can control it. Those with the money that can control what's being done for whatever reason, and I believe there's people that are off playing it that do participate with some of us and for our willingness to learn so we can be of use off playing it. Not everyone will be. And those that are doing bad here are not pure of heart, pure of mind, pure of spirit. I believe that they are the ones that feel like they're doing the worst damage to themselves and their families 
in gaining all the money and the power they think here, but it will be not because this is a very short time in a lifespan or a generation of what we call immortals. And uh, immortal, immortals have their different levels of existence off planet that I've seen, heard, and even been taught that is absolutely still amazing to me. But because of they've been on my journey into a reality part of my existence and my education level, it's uh, I wouldn't say religion, I wouldn't say military, I wouldn't say family culture or orientation. It's just an experience that is simply out of this world that's hard to believe. But it's going to be my story. And I'm looking for those out there that want to compare what they know historically or what they've experienced or investigated. Let's put our stories together. And if you're one of those, I hope you'll join my ACO club and uh, make yourself known if you're writing or a good book historically or have followed threads about what you believe is true. Be real. Don't tell me you've seen something you haven't. Don't tell me that you've experienced something that you haven't. All I'm looking for is people to be truthful and uh, share their experience or their understanding of what this reality is. And if they were truly on a path that's historically spiritual, but also very accurate as to what they believe they've seen, or I am getting into the phenomenology of their dreams and what they suspect is a reality for them that may be, but it can be in a dream level of existence that we are creating uh, and traversing, so to speak, in the many journeys because there's many roads that lead to uh, the top of the mountain, so to speak, are many roads and uh, one journey together as a humanoid species. A lot of people have passed over now and they could be influencing us one way or another to lead the humanity on this planet towards a, a place in space. And I have a story to tell that I believe it's going to be uh, that you find out what you do here, you take with you when you leave here, and what you want to do and what you've uh, skilled yourself with. You have a skill set inside your thought processes. And you leave your DNA, your genome here, but your consciousness, your conscience, if you have one, and some people don't. Some people are going to just be left here in the dust, so to speak, uh, because they didn't do anything with their uh, soul, their conscience, their uh, spiritual uh, connection back to a point of origin of reality or back to source. Some people believe in their origin of something that was really, really great. And we're going to discuss all that here with TJ Marcy T Radio in an extraterrestrial sense because uh, there's so many ways to talk about the various threads and journey that we're on spiritually. And uh, that's one thing Tommy Hawksblood does twice a week on Wednesdays and Sundays and sort of evangelistic uh, story or uh, of uh, emotion or a uh, process that he personally has gone through so he shares his own personal opinions and feelings with his own filters but we each do and I'm going to push forward with knowing that the Bob Lazar story is true 
that he went public for a reason historically and that Reagan uh, was aware of what was going on from 80 to 93 at least and that my husband worked for him for a reason and that he sent uh, him and I on a journey for UFOs and we signed up for that apparently without knowing it but once we got into it it was hard to believe but uh, we crossed paths for a reason and uh, maybe the intelligence agency wanted me to be a third party because I would tell it and just go out and get the facts, which I'm still trying to do. So historically, I hope to write a book that's more uh, on the lines of what happened during the Reagan years and for whatever reason why I was brought to the Thomas R. Morris story. And I'll do my best uh, here on the radio show to express uh, all the that, that which was not previously shared and I encourage you to go back and listen for the Thomas R. Morris shows here in the archives just to get an idea of what uh, Tom went through uh, and what President Reagan sent him on a journey to find out the truth about UFOs or unidentified flying objects they were not of Earth origin or that our government had under uh, cover or underground and uh, sent me in, and I worked with colonels in the Army and the Air Force. So did he, and uh, the government had a, a job for me to do, I was told, and it was never really told all the details, <laughs> which I find is funny. So I'm still out here doing the same thing, trying to piece it together, and uh, I don't know if I had a handler or not. If I had a gentleman, older gentleman, I don't even know if he's still alive or not, older white man. Uh, he was probably 20 years older than me, white hair. Sort of, uh, he had really beautiful blue eyes. He was about six, one or two. Walked with a cane, and then a woman that was very old then, and had a, a young woman that worked for her that was escorted to meet me, and that was in 90, 1994. And I'll never forget that. And, uh, I guess the rest is history, meeting Tom and being chosen. And I guess I was chosen to meet Thomas R. Morris. They never showed back up again or messed with me after that, driving a truck. And Men in Black had helped me maneuver that and delivering things other people couldn't because I had a clearance. And there's all kind of little stories all invested in the, my past and history. And whether people believe it or not, it won't matter unless we're weaving a truth with my threads, with your threads, and bringing them together with credible people. And uh, I empower everyone to listen to Michael Sala, and Dr. Sala could possibly uh, know some information, but he needs to research a lot more. And uh, he came on my radio show, Cosmos Connection, when I was working with Mike uh, Ringley and uh, Ahmed Painter, Thomas Becker is his real name out of Atlanta, Georgia. Or not Atlanta, uh, Val, not Valtosta. Anyway, lower part of Georgia. Mike Ringley was up near Lebanon. But I was doing Revolution Dot Radio for a while. And uh, I've quit so I can own up uh, the history right here in the archives and uh, work forward uh, with those that want to know the truth and uh 
I'm going to begin sharing, but I only want to talk to people that have a real powerful story that they can stand behind, that uh, why they tell their story, why are they passionate about it, what are they working towards the goals for helping the government and helping people in the United States of America become better and hopefully everybody in the world because we know that everything we've been told is not the truth and that there's a lot of truth not being told. In, and do you ever wonder why you don't know more about the world, why you don't hear more about the world government, world news, the United States news, and why the journalists today and don't really report the way we used to in the old days as far as getting the facts to go out and talk and get statements and affidavits and do the really pounding down because we use the Internet for so much. But I still say trash in, trash out. That's one of the first things we learn. The data that's put in, that unless you go verify it in today and time. Back in the day when you'd go into the courthouses and look for data and information they used to have to keep, a lot of it could be paid or you'd pay a girl on the side to trash it and pull it out and it'd be gone or the whole courthouse would be burned. We've lost a lot of really important data on all of this stuff. But now the Central Intelligence Agency has files on UFOs that they've released. The UFOs, FBI files, have those they've released. So you can go and look. And there's plenty of other places under Freedom of Information. But there's a lot of stuff that never was filed, that was never told, that even the government didn't know about unless they could spy. And even with Reagan, they had the swept for bugs and they had uh, equipment to jam things that were listening. So we were always worried about the Russians <laughs> back in the day uh, where the Russians were the bad guys, but on other cans, on certain cases, you worked with them together. So it was really a strange world back then. I'm sure it hasn't changed that much, but the people on the inside that need to know information, and now we're working with uh, Facebook and Google <laughs> and the companies of YouTube and controlling all the data and uh, I guess all the information is going over to Utah for who knows National Security National Security Agency I guess NSA I don't even know anymore but not that it matters it doesn't but what would maybe matter are those that are interested in those coming and going because they haven't stopped nor will they and there's a, a larger agenda that is uh, happening, and uh, it seems like those in charge would want to know the bigger picture if they really do want to know. But regardless, there's those up there that want this story to be told, and I feel like it's time for me in, in uh, putting it together, and they're allowing me to let you hear this part of it anyway. Well, I'm on the 30-minute mark, so I'm going to go uh, I've got 30 minutes left, but I'm really tired tonight. And uh, so all is well. It's uh, 6.30 p.m. exactly on 9-25-2018 Central Time in Gulf Breeze, Mecca of UFO world. And we're going to bring that back here, not just for tourism, but uh, for the fact that we've got eight military bases around. But alien civilizations exist, and so do UFOs. And you know, Mutual UFO Network needs to be more than it is probably, but we've got the UFO Association, the ACO Club, and we're going to do our best to get to, to the bottom of all of this. And hopefully all you people with a story can come tell it.
All right. Well, love and light. I'll have me enter doing some interviews that have nothing to do with UFO talk, but we have UFOassociation.com if you're interested, UFOSecretSpace.com. And uh, I'm your host, Teresa J. Morris. Miss you, Art Bell. And uh, I'll do my best to keep the light burning. And everybody see the movie Taken by Steven Spielberg. And uh, people consider me little Allie Clark for those that love movie time. And everybody that's going to be keeping up with me, I'll be watching Survivor tomorrow. So stay tuned. I still believe in entertainment, and I like reality shows. So love and light, and uh, talk to you when I talk to you. Thursday, I'll be doing some whispering about the Emerald Tablets, maybe. Love and light, everybody. Good night.